I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Dyke was there. Falls here to Henderson. Oh, the overhead kick is a good one. Origi! Another derby where Divock had a say in the outcome. Liverpool's modern-day super sub helping move the Reds back within a point of the league leaders. That plus reflections on the incredible 2001 treble season and a European Cup semi-final against Villarreal. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all the articles on Liverpool, everything else on the site. Just head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Special price now of a pound a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hoversall, and on the red agenda today, James Pearce uh, and Ollie Kay. And it was a it was a derby, Ollie, that felt frustrating quite quickly. And Liverpool had to find a way, and they did in the end. Yeah, the the first half was was probably the most awkward forty five minutes Liverpool have had since the the turn of the year. Really, I mean, it was. I mean, they didn't find their rhythm or fluency at all in that first half. And Everton were sitting very deep, frustrating with their. Stout defending, organised defending, certainly frustrating with some of the antics of Richarlison in particular, and and the time wasting of Jordan Pickford. Which you know, th- those are the type of things that teams do, and not necessarily to that extreme all the time. But but those are the kind of things teams do, opponents at Anfield do, and Liverpool have generally been very good at finding a way around it. But I'd say for an hour yesterday, it was it was a real struggle for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, you can't criticise Everson James for the way they approached the game because they weren't going to out-football Liverpool, were they, in a, in a true footballing manner? But some of the stuff they got up to was quite annoying. And one of the things that fans will take away from this game was Alisson's great moment of uh, of humour at the very end where he, he took the mickey out of his opposite number at the other end. It, it will go down in history, this one. Yeah, I, I was amazed it didn't feature on the the match of the day two highlights actually because that was that was my favourite favourite moment of the uh, of the afternoon I, and I think it, it showed how the mood had changed, hadn't it? Because um, you know from the best part of fifty four thousand people inside Anfield being fuming uh, at some of Everton's <laughs> antics to to reaching a point late on in the game where your own goalkeeper is mimicking Jordan Pickford and everyone can have a good laugh at at their expense. Yeah, it was a, sorry, it was a difficult afternoon I expected Everton to part the bus I just you know I didn't I didn't expect them to quite go to quite such lengths in in terms of killing the game which which they did you'd have to say very successfully for those opening 45 minutes you know at times it was probably enough to make even Diogo Simeone blush some of the the time wasting and the Pickford was taking forever wasn't he over every goal kick you know standing on the ball at free kicks it became the game that Everton wanted it to be which was stopping Liverpool building up any kind of momentum and you know I I thought watching it there were I thought there was almost parallels with the game against Chelsea in in 2014 with the Gerrard slip in terms of 
Liverpool just just losing the plot a little bit in that first half, getting drawn into a game they didn't need to, they didn't want to play, and they didn't need to play. And you know when they went, you know they had, I think I looked at one point they had eighty five percent possession. Yeah, they didn't have a shot on target in the first half because they just played. It was too slow, too predictable. Never got in behind Everton. But you know we've seen it time and time again with this team that I think. The massive difference with 2014 is the experience and maturity this team have got. You know, they don't panic in situations like that and they find a way and they did it again with the help of two transformative substitutions with the introduction of uh, Diaz and Origi. Yeah, mentally tough. It's going to be a long chat now about Divock Origi and why not? This is the man who pulls it out of the bag, Ollie, when um, when there's a big match, a big occasion, something needed. I think maybe we all thought that he'd written his final chapter scoring those big goals, but there he is in a derby again. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, to be honest, when he came on yesterday, I, I thought it was so early to be bringing him on. I, I think he's become a not a plan B player, but sort of a plan C, plan D player where you put him on for maybe the last 10 minutes to cause a bit of chaos or confusion and just because he's so different to Liverpool's other forwards. And I thought it was very early to go to that 4-2-4. Well, I think it was really 4-2-4 with half an hour left. And I felt it didn't really give Klopp much room to manoeuvre further down the line if it was still if it was still nil-nil with 10 minutes to go. But funnily enough, Klopp seems to know these things better than I do. Um, <laughs> and within two minutes, he'd, he'd played a big part in the in, in the, the opening goal with that lovely layoff for Salah, who crossed to Robertson with a far post header. Um, and then, of course, the, the inevitable Origi goal against Everton um, in the uh, in the final minutes, just to, to, to put the icing on the cake. But it, it's they were saying in commentary, I think Jamie Carragher was saying on the commentary, he doesn't think that if it had been any other opposition, Origi would have come on so early. And I think that's probably... Right, because there is this sort of feeling that you know it's at Everton, so Origi will score, or Everton are terrified of him. To be honest, I'm sure they're terrified of a lot of Liverpool's players. Um, quite a lot of Liverpool's players have had big moments against them over the years. Um, now Andy Robertson too, of course, but it just seemed to unsettle them. They had this game plan which was working so well, and they they were defending so well, everything that was coming near or into their their penalty area, and. Origi was just this sort of factor which brought a different dynamic into Liverpool's play, and and um, it's remarkable the record he's got. The the, the record. It's not just the fact that he's, he comes on and scores goals as a substitute. It's the fact that I mean, not so much yesterday because it was a second in a two 0 win, but the number of big, big, big goals he scored. You know, Wolves early this season, Barcelona, uh, Newcastle away a couple of seasons ago. It, it's the more famous Everton goal. It's big, big goals, big, big moments. And he's, he's a remarkable. Um, it, it's been a remarkable Liverpool career. It really has. Called him the modern day super sub at the top of the, the pod. He's, he's most definitely that, is he? On the, the article you've written, James, uh, it says an Anfield icon leaving in style. And that is the expectation that, it, that he will leave the football club this summer. What he's achieved here truly is out of this world. And actually, if you look at the past few months and the fact he's not even been getting on the bench for some games, but still has the ability to come into this side and make such a huge difference is testament to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when you speak to the staff, you know, at, at Kirby and, and his teammates as well, I, I, I struggle to think of anyone who's, who's as universally loved as as Divock Origi. And, you know, and I think, you know, Klopp touched upon it yesterday in terms of just, you know, even when he's barely had a look in for months, you know, his attitude and his his commitment around the place is, is still exemplary. And I think that was why, 
you know, Klopp knew he could count on him at such a big point in that game. And, he, you know, he's only played 100 and, 101 minutes of Premier League football this season and he scored three goals. And as, you know, as, as Ollie said then, you know, that, that includes, you know, the, the late winner at Wolves, which, you know, how valuable could those couple of points be? And, you know, his, his impact on Sunday was was arguably on a on a similar level with you know I just think he asked different questions of defenders compared to Liverpool's other attackers you know he's he's so strong and powerful and you know linked up with Salah brilliantly in the build up to Robertson's header and then the anticipation to get on the end of that that acrobatic volley from from Diaz so um I mean, it's, it, it, I couldn't believe it when I saw that, you know, he's got as many Merseyside Derby goals as Robbie Fowler, more than Sir Kenny Dogleash. You know, I think it's only only Rush and Steven Gerrard that have been more prolific against Everton in the modern era. And and he's had a Liverpool career like, like no other, has he, really? I can't think of anyone that's even comparable. Then you think, you know, he's you know, obviously signed in, you know, 2014, obviously stayed at Lille for that year on loan. You know, he had that, you know, that amazing burst under Klopp initially when he was, you know, the the real driving force initially on the road to the Europa League final. Then that horrible injury against Everton when he was chopped down by Funes Mori. And you could argue that he's, he's maybe never really quite got back to that level again. But, you know, he's been written off so many times. I mean, you know, I've lost count the number of times over the years I've had a, a piece in my drafts ready to publish on, you know, the, the Divock Origi years at Liverpool. And you think it's it's done and dusted, you know, the, the season on loan at Wolfsburg when he was he got loads of stick over there. You know, Liverpool agreed a fee with Wolves the following summer. He didn't want to go there. He wanted to stay and fight. You know, he, Klopp has admitted he would have sold him last summer if anyone had been willing to pay 15 million quid for him. And Klopp was amazed that that no one did come in and pay the asking price and offer him the regular football that Klopp certainly thinks that he that he should be getting at somewhere where he doesn't have quite the level of competition that he has for those frontline spots at Liverpool. But um, yeah, thank God he stuck around because um, yeah, he might only be the sixth choice. Attacker, and he might only have been even. You know, if Firmino had been fit, he wouldn't have even been on the bench. I don't think on Sunday, but his value to Liverpool has just been immense. And and I don't think anyone percentage-wise has scored goals that resonate quite like Divock Origi. I was just looking at it. He's only started thirty-four Premier League games for Liverpool, and you look think of the impact he's had. We could reel off players who have started thirty-four, you know, thirty to forty league games at Liverpool without ever. Making the slightest impact on on the club's history or the club's you know present even, and you look at what Origi has done, his contributions over the course of well seven years, often while really really on the margins of the team, and it, it's remarkable. I I think with Origi, there's a, when teams like Wolves were looking at him in, in in the past, and and teams in Germany and 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 in France were looking at him, I was thinking, well, he could go there, and he would you know he could go to say a Crystal Palace and be first choice striker or, or you know be part of their front line and but would he have anything like the the job satisfaction I mean he, he will go weeks at a time without getting any job satisfaction at Liverpool I'm sure but I'm sure that goes the same in a different way for players who are play are starting regularly in you know mid-table or struggling teams and it's I mean he's very much a small fish in a big pond at Liverpool but I feel like it suits his skill set, suits his personality, and he could go somewhere else and and be starting more regularly. And maybe he wouldn't flourish like Klopp expects him to. Maybe maybe he would find you know it harder to be the main man. I I don't know. Cause I, I just find it so hard after all this time at Liverpool to 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 know how good he is in terms of whether whether he would be a a really successful starter or whether whether he's better as a cog in this important you know an important. Um, yet often underestimated 
cog in this Liverpool squad. It's it's a strange one. And who's to say, James, that he hasn't got another little chapter to write, given given the games that are left this season, and given the love that the manager clearly has for him? You only had to see the two of them at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, you'd you'd be stupid, wouldn't you, to bet against there being another another chapter or two in the in the Origi story? You know, you only have to think back to the you know the back end of of eighteen nineteen when you know he, he barely got barely got a look in, did he, for the first half of that season? Then he then he scored that that iconic 96th minute winner against Everton ended up scoring the, the goal at Newcastle that took the title race down to the last day and and then settled the Champions League final in Madrid against against Tottenham. So um, yeah, I think his impact off the bench on Sunday would have just reaffirmed Klopp's belief that, that, if, that if he does need a plan B between now and the end of the season, which is probably likely that he does give you something different. And I think we sort of said before about almost they felt like it was an inevitability about he would influence that game. I, th- I think also be- because you know no one has scored more goals for Liverpool in the Premier League era as a substitute than Origi. I think that's eleven now. He's gone ahead of Sturridge. You know, I, I think it's what it does both to the Liverpool team and to the opposition because suddenly when he when he when it, when he took his tracksuit off yesterday and he was coming on, you know, the buzz around the stadium it was like it's Origi, it's Everton. You know, he he, he will. He'll, he'll come to the rest. And I think if you're Everton, you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh my God, it's Origi. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, we didn't think we'd be having to face him today because he, you know, he, I think he played, what, two minutes of football since since the FA Cup tie against Norwich right at the very start of March. So he's just been a fantastic servant to the club. And when you throw into the mix things like, you know, the fact he's, he's set up this scholarship with the University of Liverpool where he's paying for local teenagers to paying for their tuition fees for them to do degrees in law you know he doesn't he doesn't just pay lip service to it you know he it does really mean a hell of a lot to him this city and the club and as ollie touched on before i think that's why he has stayed around as long as he has done because you know i think he knows that the day he leaves liverpool it will be a step down and i think he just loves being a part of it and i think the personality that he's got you know he's so laid back he's so relaxed you know James Milner in his book obviously talked about life on planet Erigi, didn't he? In, in terms of wondering what it would be like, because you know, if only he could have, you know, probably ad- admires the fact he is so chilled out, even in such high pressure situations. And I think you know that really comes to the fore at the business end of a season as well, because you know you have to think back to that, you know, the the Trent Alexander Arnold quickly taken corner against against Barcelona, one of the you know the truly iconic Anfield goals and. You know, I think a lot of players would have snatched at that, but the way that Origi is, you know, he he tucked it away like there was there was absolutely nothing riding on it. The great thing for me was that I was you know, I was actually going to write a piece on Origi this week, but it, I thought it was going to be, you know, a bit of a sad piece in terms of it looked like he was destined to kind of leave out the back door this summer rather than the front because you couldn't see where he was going to get a chance. And I thought, you know, after all he's given for the club, that would have been I think that would have been harsh and. Um, yeah, suddenly he's got another chapter to the story, and you know, as we said, I, 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 I think he'll definitely still have a part to play in this running. You can't discount him. What a catalogue he, he's got now. A lot of the headlines are Origi based after the game, but let's turn to the first goal scorer, Ollie, and, and Andy Robertson. First goal in front of the cop, and I saw Alan Shearer tweet he should be considered as as perhaps a nominee for the Player of the Season. I think Liverpool will not be short of um, candidates or contenders for that um, I mean you could look at somebody like Joel Matip who um, I think would be 
a shoe in for a team of the season. I'd, I, you know, I'd, I wouldn't expect him to get PFA Player of the Year or the Writers Player of the Year or anything like that. But he, to me, has been outstanding. Robertson had a had that quiet period in a you know or, or a bit of a lull around sort of September October, a bit of a slow start to the season. Simicast was coming in and playing well, and and Robertson he played in the Euros in the summer, hadn't he? And 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 had all the extra exertion of trying to lead Scotland to the World Cup, which, um, you know, they're still not there yet, but they've got a chance. He seemed to be slower out of the blocks than we've seen him before, I would say. But yeah, as the season has gone on, he's been, he's been magnificent. And it was really, it was, you know, it was, it was a really well taken goal, but you think of, of the, the status he enjoys among the fans and among his teammates and so on, but he's, he's not really had particularly a moment like that at Anfield. And I think that was it was clearly a big moment for him yesterday, a really big moment for him. And and um, I don't know what more could be said about him, but he, he's just outstanding. And and um, as we go into the final period of the season, he seems to be getting better and better again. Whilst he scored that goal, and he had a great game. Perhaps on the on the other side, Trent found things much more difficult. Uh, passing certainly wasn't on on the level he'd expect. Set pieces as well, James. It wasn't a game that Trent will look back on and go, I've, "I performed to my level." No, no, it, you know he wasn't quite at the, the, you know the, the ridiculously high standards that we've we come to expect from him. But you know he, he's, he's not a machine, is he? I think you know it's probably unrealistic to think he's gonna he's gonna absolutely light the place up every every single time. And you know I think you'd have to, you know Anthony Gordon had a, had a decent game for Everton. He was certainly their their one threat really with his with his pace on the counter attack. And, and Liverpool did did struggle to handle him at times. I think. Um, what do you make of his dive, James? I was gotta be honest, I was absolutely baffled that Lampard afterwards was still trying to claim that the dive was a penalty. I think I heard him say that there was some contact from Cater, which when you look at it, I mean Cater didn't even make a challenge. You know, Gordon just throws himself over the leg. You know, it's it's a it's a blatant, blatant dive and, a, and an obvious yellow card. And I and I think I think that probably has an influence on on uh, Stuart Atwell in, with the penalty shout in the second half, which I think I think could have gone either way. The one with Gordon and Joel Matip. I think um, the first time I saw it, I must admit, I thought probably penalty because I think when a defender puts his hands on an attacker like that, you are running the risk. You know, it, it, I thought back to that penalty decision. I think, what was it, Lovren on, on Calvert-Lewin a few years back? And, and to be honest, you'd say that the Lovren one on Calvert-Lewin was softer, I think, than that. And that one was given, I think, by Craig Paulson. But... When you actually watch the replays back, I think I think Gordon actually steps across Matip and actually creates some of the contact himself and makes it look worse than I thought it actually was. So I, I think that's a 50-50 shout. I think it's one of those ones where if Atwell gives it, there's no way that VAR overturn it. Yet, you know, once Atwell had not given it, there was no way that VAR was going to tell him to go to the screen and, and take a look. But I, I do think that in situations like that, players can be their own worst enemies because I'm sure after what Gordon had done in the first half, that was in Atwell's mind. You know, the you know has he gone down far too easily again? I didn't come away thinking that Liverpool were, were lucky based on decisions. I just thought, you know, Everton had a very limited but effective game plan for a long time. And I just thought with the quality that Liverpool have got, Squad-wise, off the bench, they were just too good. In the end, I don't, you know, they, they kind of. I wouldn't say there was lots of decisions that went their way. I think you could have. You know, I was amazed that Richarlison stayed on late on. You know, whenever anyone lashes out like he did at Henderson, you know that that to me was a was a nailed-on straight red. And um, yeah, and I thought Atwell was weak, especially first half in terms of 
very very slow to, to clamp down on the on the time wasting and then that that kind of created that ill feel feeling that you know obviously boiled over into a lot of kind of pushing and shoving at times two things i was just going to mention if i if i could one one is that the one that really infuriates me is when a player goes down like richarlison kept doing when i think we all suspect there was nothing wrong with him I hate this idea that you're meant to stop the play. Yeah. I mean, I know the referee has, the referee has the choice to stop play if he thinks there's a concussion issue. But the opposition shouldn't have a duty to to stop the play. The opposition should have the right to, to play on, which Liverpool did. And I'm sure, you know, Decore came flying into Fabinho as if outraged that Liverpool hadn't stopped play. But I imagine Decore and his teammates were probably just as annoyed with Richarlison for staying down when there was clearly nothing wrong with him. And the other thing I was just going to say about Alexander-Arnold is Anthony Gordon got into that play, that space behind him a number of times. And a lot of the sort of talk is, has been about him, Alexander-Arnold being caught out of position. That's not really his position. He's not meant to be there when Liverpool are attacking. And normally what you get is Henderson in particular being very diligent at filling in and occupying that space when Alexander-Arnold went forward. And they didn't really have that yesterday with with the with the midfield that they picked so i think i think against villarreal against Dunjuma in particular i think we'll probably see henderson dropping into that area to make sure that he isn't that space isn't left exposed behind alexander arnold i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Right, they're still going for all these these titles. Um, let's talk about the title running and going for a quadruples of a rarity, but then trying to navigate a, a treble was pretty hard in 2001. So we're going to maybe compare and contrast the two. James, um, if you go back to 2001, they, they managed to deal with all the hurdles that were placed in front of them. It was a different treble given. Manchester United wrapped up the league by April the 14th, but nonetheless, going for three trophies is pretty hard. When you look back, did you have confidence then on what Liverpool were trying to achieve? No, 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 no. I think it surpassed all expectations that that season, especially when you think, you know, they, they, they made really, really hard work of lifting the League Cup that year against, you know, against Birmingham City. And yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone at that point thought that, that it would go the way it did. You know, of course, there was the, the desperate scramble to get into the, the Champions League spots as well. But I think when you when you speak to players from that team, and I think probably the, the big parallel for me with this season is just when you do win something, how it, it can act as a catalyst and, and you do suddenly build up this momentum where, you know, despite the fact that, you know, playing every three or four days is in you know ridiculously intense and, and difficult physically and mentally. But when when you keep on winning, you know, you, you have this this momentum behind you that you, where you feel like you're almost unstoppable at times and I think I think that's where there are similarities at the minute you know because that was a crazy season 2001 you know especially you know with you know the the, the cup final against Arsenal as well you know a, a game again that Liverpool had absolutely no right to win yet you know you know that was Arsenal was so superior on the day in that final yet 
you know, those two iconic goals for Michael Owen. And, you know, it's it's a very different story. And then, you know, I was in Dortmund for the UEFA Cup final, you know, which, and again, you know, that, that final, because of what happened in Istanbul a few years later, d- doesn't really get talked about anything like as much as it as it should do, because, um, you know, it was such a roller coaster night that. And of course, you know, what we won't ever see again is, is a is a European final like that settled by a by a golden goal with um, Gary McAllister's free kick going in off the defender. So um, yeah, and then and then even then they couldn't they couldn't celebrate, could they? Because they had to go and go and beat Charlton to 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 qualify for the Champions League. So yeah, I think I think there are parallels. Just that the momentum that you can build up when you know and, and how success does breed success. For people of a certain vintage, I'd include you, Ollie. This this was probably a really important season. Um, and I do wonder whether it's given enough credit. I, I had the time of my life in this season. What, what do you think about whether it's reflected on enough? Well, I think it's probably underestimated for, for two reasons. One of which is, as James said, Istanbul coming quite soon afterwards, 2005, which overtook it really. Um, and the other one is, you know, Manchester United had won a, a treble. You'd have to say a better treble. Two years earlier, and and I think it probably you know p- people were talking about well United fans were talking about Liverpool having won a plastic treble, you know League Cup, FA Cup, UEFA Cup rather than Premier League, FA Cup, Champions League, and look it wasn't the treble, it wasn't the stuff that dreams were made of, it wasn't the two big trophies that Liverpool really regard as 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 the the, the most important ones, but it was a it was a massive achievement if you if you think of. What Liverpool could win this season, for all the talk of quadruples, they might not end up with three trophies or four trophies. Three trophies in a season is is enormous. And I think what was particularly significant for Liverpool at that time is since, you know, since that last league title 11 years earlier, they'd won one FA Cup, one League Cup. They'd won nothing for six years. They'd had this series of title challenges which had fizzled out. They'd had a series of Champions League qualification tilts which had fizzled out and they'd ended up sort of dropping out the top two, dropping out the top three. They'd got to various semi-finals and finals and lost. They'd become a team which had forgotten how to win. And in over the course of that season, those few months, they remembered how to win and suddenly gained this real sort of, you know, became a really, really good cup team. And you look back at the finals and you think, well, God, it looked like they forgot how to win in those finals because they were, Really poor against Birmingham in the League Cup, distinctly second best against um, Arsenal in the um, in the FA Cup. You know, we're lucky to be clinging on at one nil down with ten minutes to go. And the Alaves game in Dortmund was just an absolute. It was just chaos. It was a totally ill-disciplined. The opposite of what the football which had got them there, which had been totally disciplined and mentally strong. But in all three of those finals, they. They dug in and, and and found a way and became a team that that would win cups again. I'm, I'm sure without that you you would not get the the Istanbul triumph of 2005 and and it was absolutely massive for Liverpool and and massive for the um, you know when when Gerard Houllier died you know nearly 18 months ago that the, there was you know a lot of talk of you know where he ranked amongst Liverpool's managers and look that is a very high bar but when you were able to say that you know the cups that he won and the three in one season. And he would add the Community Shield and the Super Cup the following season, and talk of five five trophies that year. It was it was massive. That that year was massive for Liverpool, and it was, um, yeah, it, it was a, a really significant. I would say not just achievement, but foundations for the next few years, which which obviously brought more. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Of course, there's a, a European Cup um, semi-final. First leg at Anfield to come. Uh, we haven't got time, really, to go into it in, in depth. Can you can you give us one thought, guys, each on, on what lies ahead against Villarreal? Certainly shouldn't be taken easy, Ollie. No, definitely not. I mean, they, I was at Old Trafford when they um, when they somehow were beaten two one by Manchester United in the group stage. They were brilliant that night. They really surprised me, and they they should have been about three nil, four nil up. They were really good. Dan Juma, I mentioned earlier, might not have sort of turned too many heads when he was at Bournemouth, but he's a really, really talented player, and and um, you know he, he will be a handful. And I think you look at the the games that they've since then beaten, um, knocked out Juventus comfortably, knocked out Bayern Munich. They are no mugs, and they will be. Um, you know, it's probably the mo- the more favourable of the draws Liverpool could have got, but it's it's not an easy draw. Looking forward to it, James. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, as as Oli said, they do command respect when you look at the the teams they've knocked out to to get this far, and I and I think. You know, it probably won't be too dissimilar to to the way that Everton set up. I don't think I don't think they'll take too many risks. I think they'll Emery will have them set up to frustrate and and thwart Liverpool. And it might be a night when patience is a virtue. But um, I think Klopp will freshen it up. I think wouldn't be surprised at all to see Canate come into the back line. You'd imagine Henderson would start as well, and 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 Diaz after that. You know, we've barely spoken about him, have we? But you know, he was. He was absolutely electric again, wasn't he, when he came off the bench against against Everton? So yeah, so you know, another you know, the huge weeks just keep on coming, don't they? It's it's just a, an unbelievable time to be to be following the club when you think you know you you've just you've just seen off Manchester United and 
and Everton having won an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley and now you're looking ahead towards a, a Champions League semi you know and and it now you know and with a tricky trip to Newcastle in between those two legs so um but yeah the the great thing for Liverpool at the minute is they go into it you know with so much belief and I think also Sunday proved they can win games in so many different ways and um you know I, I think that'll stand them in good stead for the for the challenges coming up just never stops, does it? Uh, we'll just finish with a with a well done to the Liverpool women who thrashed Sheffield United 6-1 uh, before their trophy lift at Prenton Park. So fantastic uh, for them. They got to do it in front of a record crowd at Prenton Park at the end. My thanks, of course, to, to Ollie and James. And uh, thank you for listening and uh, talking to us on the Red Agenda. Always appreciate any uh, communication feedback from you guys. And we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>